You're listening to a Columbia Journalism Review podcast. On this episode, a conversation between assistant editor Joel Mears and staff writer Clint Hendler about the latest developments in the WikiLeaks story. You can read Clint's series of articles about WikiLeaks over the past few months on the Columbia Journalism Review website, cjr.org. Here's Joel and Clint. Hi, Clint. Hey, Joel. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, So in just talking about WikiLeaks, I thought I'd start by asking you a pretty philosophical and open question uh, prompted by something Vice President Biden said on Meet the Press this weekend when asked whether WikiLeaks represented some sort of high-tech terrorist organization or more of a journalistic enterprise. And he sort of sat on the fence whilst also creating some controversy. And I'm wondering, from your point of view, what is WikiLeaks? Well, you know, I think uh, terrorism is, is going way too far, right? I mean, I think a terrorist should have a gun or a bomb or a knife or something. Uh, all uh, WikiLeaks has is some uh, classified information, and not even all of the information that WikiLeaks released um, in the most recent uh, cable uh, uh, dump was classified, and a lot of the stuff they've released over the last four and a half years of publication has been classified. Um, you know, I think it's a much more interesting question about whether or not WikiLeaks is a journalistic organization or not. And to me, you know, I don't quite know. I mean, they definitely have committed acts of journalism. Uh, if you look at, like, the collateral murder video, they did a lot of um, uh, packaging and framing and sort of narrativizing of that story in a way that most journalists would be pretty familiar. They actually also sent a, a reporter to Baghdad to, to sort of um, do some groundwork uh, before they released the video. Uh, but for the most part, I'd say that they facilitate a uh, aspect of journalism, which is the collection of documents. So definitely not terrorists, uh, maybe not, you know, your mother's journalism, but uh, they certainly facilitate acts of journalism. The kind of journalism they're doing at WikiLeaks, if it is an act of journalism, is that getting rid of the need for some other kind of journalism to interpret these documents? No. I mean, I think that um, if you look at... So these these... Four very famous WikiLeaks that started after the uh, Iraq War video, which showed the death of two Reuters um, employees and some other civilians, uh, you know, uh, from a helicopter, U.S. helicopter gunship, you know, through to these three major cable dumps. They all show sort of a growing awareness in the WikiLeaks organization that documents require contextualization and perhaps further reporting and some sense of narrative in order to break through into public consciousness. You know, they had been releasing documents via their website without doing a lot of journalism and analytical work around them for like four years. And then when they get a hold of these uh, major, you know, tranches of classified documents, first the Afghanistan logs, they take them to three of the world's most established blue chip media organizations and give them time uh, in an advanced look to go through them and to come up with compelling stories and to investigate compelling stories. And it's those stories that um, were the way that most people actually found out about WikiLeaks for the first time, even though they'd been around four years. So I think that what we've seen over the last um, you know, six or seven months really ratifies the value of journalists for bringing attention to uh, information that's contained in these documents as opposed to shows that they don't have any role left. What do you say to those who say there hasn't been a lot revealed in these documents, either in the cables or the Iraq or Afghanistan war logs, that nothing's new here, it's nothing we should focus on, that we should sort of sweep it under the rug and forget about it? Well, first, I don't think that's true. But if we were to take that as being true, that there isn't all that much new in here, I think that's a pretty silly argument even on its face, because journalists all the time write stories that just reiterate a ongoing condition, that provide an education into the way the world is already working. 
Um, and when journalists get a hold of documents that ratify existing storylines, that uh, give a, a news peg to bring them up again, or that underpin them in a new way with new evidence you never had before, you see those kinds of stories run all the time. But like I said to begin with, I don't even really think that's true. I mean, there have been pretty interesting disclosures that have come out of these documents. Um, they maybe aren't totally unexpected vital stories, you know, or maybe they're not um, a kind of just epic shaking, world changing story, but they're actually, you know, that's a pretty high standard to uh, enforce upon any kind of journalism. Absolutely. Jay Rosen has written that the rise of WikiLeaks is partly due to the fall or failure of the so-called watchdog press. And I'm wondering what you think of that. Is an organization like WikiLeaks and the power it seems to be having somewhat a result of failures in other areas of the media? I don't know. I mean, it, it's really hard to tease out exactly why WikiLeaks has happened this time. I mean, I think the biggest explanation is the simplest, which is just that um, we didn't really have the Internet very long ago. And, you know, WikiLeaks couldn't get its job done without the power of uh, infinite uh, and instant digital replication. And I think that's the biggest thing that can account for the birth of WikiLeaks right now. Speaking of the Internet... We saw a couple of weeks ago Amazon kicking WikiLeaks off its server and WikiLeaks sort of being chased around the internet, etc. And I'm wondering, as someone who's covered transparency, secrecy, what do you think the WikiLeaks episode lately has revealed about the behavior of private enterprise on the internet and the openness and freedom of the internet itself? Well, the private enterprise question, uh, part of the question really underscores it, which is that these are commercial and economic actors, and they have to be uh, accountable to uh, their, um, their, their customers uh, and, to some extent, also the governments that enforce the regulatory environments they work in. And uh, as WikiLeaks has become sort of a red letter, um, you know, something that people are very afraid of and that people think is very harmful, uh, these organizations are hesitant to be associated with it, even if those uh, restrictions that are being put upon WikiLeaks uh, compromise, uh, you know, uh, free speech and fairness issues, um, which I think it's pretty clear uh, that, that a lot of these commercial institutions that have been limiting their services to WikiLeaks, that, you know, they're acting um, in a way that's detrimental to those, you know, those fundamental principles. So it goes to show that if you're unpopular enough, um, people don't have to offer you their services. And, you know, that is uh, obviously has implications for uh, anyone who ha wants to say unpopular things in the public sphere. The sort of undercurrent of that is this idea that the state is going to clamp down on secrecy now that it knows it's vulnerable to an organization like WikiLeaks and leakers who want to feed documents to a WikiLeaks. Um, do you see that that might be what's happening as a result of WikiLeaks? And should that color our approach to WikiLeaks and our dealings with them as journalists? Right. So this is a tough question because I think it's, it's very... Um, you know, what the government will do in response to WikiLeaks and how effective it will be is it's extremely speculative terrain. Um, there's obviously going to be some people in government who say that uh, the kind of information sharing that made it easy for a um, very, very junior uh, army uh, intelligence analyst to have access to this quantity of information uh, is no longer, you know, you, you can't do it anymore in an age of... Um, where, where it can simply be uploaded, you know, via a, a fake Lady Gaga CD to, to WikiLeaks. And to everyone who has been hoping that the government could share more information internally um, and possibly also externally in order to better understand the world and to better adapt to threats, uh, you know, that's a, that, that would be a troubling development in some ways. 
it's also possible that uh, we might see, you know, a lot of people who spend a lot of time thinking hard about the classification system and who have been dealing with reforming the classification system, which, you know, almost everyone will tell you is dreadfully broken, uh, for many years are hoping that WikiLeaks contributes to a different kind of evaluation of policy, whereby we stop classifying things that don't need to be classified, and we only classify the truly, truly secret information, and that we find effective ways to safeguard the truly, truly secret information that would be very damaging if it came to public light, um, as opposed to right now, where your incentives are all set up to overclassify. Um, no one ever gets in trouble for a decision to overclassify a document or to classify a document that shouldn't be classified. And people have very re real fears that they'll get in trouble if they go the other way, if they make a decision too easily. So it's possible, I mean, the, the optimistic look would be that WikiLeaks actually um, encourages a reevaluation of our classification system that makes it work better and actually uh, keeps uh, more information in the public domain where it can be more easily shared. Given the kind of rhetoric we're hearing from the government, are you in the optimistic camp? Probably not, but I think the impediments to even going the other way are pretty significant too. We'll see what unfolds over the next you know, six months, year, maybe longer, but uh, I think the uh, momentum of the status quo is gonna remain to be pretty strong. Uh, and my guess is that we won't see many major changes coming out of this WikiLeaks um, episode, especially considering that we've gotten reassurances from some of the government's most senior officials that this leak really has not had a drastic effect on national security. And if this leak doesn't, if these leaks, which are so massive and so large, don't, the stuff that really might, is it, it gets harder and harder to picture. Finally, Clint, was Assange robbed for Man of the Year? <laughs> um, you know, the, the time uh, uh, Man of the Year selection process has always struck me as, <laughs> uh, as much about PR and magazine sales as anything else. But... Um, uh, I have certainly found the impact of WikiLeaks to be far more interesting than the impact of Facebook. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Joel. This has been a Columbia Journalism Review podcast produced by Lauren Kirchner. Theme music by Tim Hoyt. Visit cjr.org for fresh media criticism and behind-the-scenes stories every day, and to subscribe to the prize-winning magazine now in its 50th year. The Columbia Journalism Review at cjr.org. Strong press, strong democracy.